We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning, everyone. I am Catherine Zox with my co-host Lauren Deller out there in Austin, Texas, and you are listening to Voice America Women's Network. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Catherine. How are you today? How are you today? I am good. I'm up ready to roll this morning. I know. I can't believe it. I had I had Lauren on my IM earlier this morning. It really it surprised the hell out of me. I was very very surprised. But anyway, here's some surprises because. Everybody, got you got your e-cards. You thought you know it was going to be on the show today, but we're going to change it around a little bit. Our first guest is going to be the same, uh, Kara Sturdivant-Ruda. She is author of Real You Incorporated, Eight Essentials for Women Entrepreneurs. But our second guest is we're, going to, is, uh, we're changing things around today, Lauren. Our second guest is Dan Davison. He's the guy who lost all of his limbs in a mm. catastrophic accident. That's all I'm going to say about it because he's got lots to say. He's a motivational speaker. He's done all of these incredible things, things that you and I, I don't think, could dream about doing in a lifetime. So he's going to be on later in the show. But uh, so, what's, but before we get to our guests, you and I have a chance to talk. So tell me, what's new? <laughs> I love it. One of these days we're switching roles. I'm going to be the one asking you the question. Never. I can only do this. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when you have to, there's, there's a kind of a rule of thumb for talk show hosts, and there's the one they call the generator, and then the other one is, it's not the responder, but there's another name for it, and they work really well together. But if you have two generators and two responders and that second name isn't really correct, it doesn't work. That's but, why no, I agree with that. I do agree with that. But it, it, it's, it is nice to, um, I guess I think I could do both roles. I just have to know which one I'm playing. <laughs> I can do only one. I tried doing, I tried doing the other role at another talk show. I'm not good at it. I mean, I can make myself do it, but I don't like to be in that position that you're in. I think that's much more difficult. But, um, you always so have what's, these, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but you always have these great quotes of the day. I don't know if you wake up and pin them on your refrigerator for the family. No, to see, I, my refrigerator is not one of those metal ones, so I have to use tape, which is stupid. So I, mine no, too. I don't do that. Yeah, what I, kind of, mine's one of those old, uh, what's it called, uh, the old... Uh, oh, I, probably what I have, too. Uh, well, both, we both can't remember the name of it. You know why? That's why I was going to have Martha Weinman Lear on this morning, who is who talks about where did I leave my glasses, the one when, and why it's normal. That's right. It's normal memory loss, and it happens after thirty. Our brains begin to deteriorate. Now, it's imperceptible when you're in your middle thirties, and it doesn't really become more obvious until you get into your early forties. Well, it's obvious for me, but I tell my grandmother, who's eighty. Five, I think, 86, she forgets things all the time, and she says it has to do with being in her 80s. And I say, Grandma, you're crazy. I forget things all the time, too. And she thinks I'm nuts because I forget things. And I do. If I don't write it down, I forget. Well, it's both. You're right and she's right. But, Lauren, it's beginning with you, but because she's in her 80s, she's probably she has lost a lot more of her brain capacity. It's the... Uh, Oh, I'm gonna, I already brought. It's the frontal lobe. That's where we. That's where we store our information, and that's where we process it, and that's where we retrieve it. And that part of the brain, it's the hippocampus, it gets smaller and smaller as we age. Now there are things you can do to offset it. And I just before you tell me your quote of the day, which you can't put on the refrigerator because it's not metal. And we can't sub zero. Sub zero. I just was thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how's that? 
Um, I, yeah, okay. Now I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, no. All right. This is really important because I thought this was this was in, in, the, in um, Martha Weinman Lear's book, and she interviewed all of these neuropsychologists, neuropsychiatrists at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, Columbia Presbyterian. So the information is, I think, fairly accurate. But they found, or they have found just recently, because they're able to actually see the brain, how it processes information or doesn't process it, that exercise helps to stimulate the brain in such a way that it improves memory. Now, you might say, okay, I already knew that. Did you? I, You know, it seems like it would go, they make sense to me. Like if I stay active, my mind is more active, more, more. Um, I can quickly recall. I think it's just more quick to move. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, but the physiological reason for that is you get oh, more. Oh, I don't know, yeah. Well, you get more blood supply to the brain. Now, oh. and they do distinguish between two types of exercise, which I think is even more interesting. Exercise, aerobic exercise, aerobic exercise stimulates the brain and the blood flow and it stimulates the connections between the neurons which have to be firing and working for you to remember things for your memory um, is improved with aerobic exercise not with just like say weight bearing exercise uh, you know strength, like lift strength training strength, yes strength Interesting. training that makes sense I also do I think there's something to the fact that once you're over some a certain age, let's say 40, and I think it's actually a little younger than that, um, I think that we tend not to worry so much about trying to remember things because we know there are certain things that matter and other things that don't. So I think that we're a little more lax about it, don't you? We don't worry about it. Uh, you bring up another good point, Lauren, because if you worry about something, when you really try to remember something, the adrenaline pumps in, and that makes it worse, and it makes it more difficult to try to remember. So, in other words, you remember things better if you have less anxiety, obviously, and you calm down and you get the adrenaline, slow, slow it down a bit, and then you can remember. So that the, the parts of the brain that are the that start to de- to deteriorate or your ability to memorize to remember things uh-huh. one of the things is your ability to multitask diminishes so that you have to do just exactly sort of what you're saying pick out the tasks that are really important you can't multitask like you did in your 20s and still be able to focus concentrate remember retrieve the stuff retrieve what you need to retrieve in your brain and then spew it out again can't don't have the same capability i Interesting. mean yeah so you our have bodies to, really do change just like our physical bodies change. I mean, yeah, somehow we don't yeah. picture our brain changing, but, yeah, you know, your skin gets wrinkled, your muscles aren't what they used to be, but we don't seem to equate that with your brain, but the same thing happens. And there are things, just like we do physically, things that you can do to compensate. That's one of them. So your ability to multitask diminishes. And your ability to remember, to be able to process information quickly slows down. Not that you can't process it, but let's say your 85-year-old grandmother, she's going to have less of the ability to be able to do the kind of conversation that we have, have the kind of conversation we're having now, going from one topic to another very quickly and be able uh-huh. to process uh-huh. the information. Okay. So there are probably not a lot of 85-year-olds listening to us right now because we're too quick. <laughs> well, they may be able to, that's true. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> they're, they're, well, that's on both, yeah, they may have difficulty processing it, that's true. And they couldn't do the show themselves in the same way. No, no. And, and there are always those people at, you know, at the other end of the bell-shaped curve, the half a percent, who can do that, whose minds don't change, just like there are those people at 90 who have bodies like 70. You know, Isn't you're that always amazing? Gonna, I always yeah. think that's amazing. But we're, I assume we're not one of them because we can't remember what the name of our refrigerator is. So zeros. <laughs> 
but Lauren, <laughs> refrigerators. I was with my my son, my middle son John, the one who is the um, drummer of the band Zox Band. They're on tour. They're going to be in Seattle tomorrow night, but he's here right now. Um, he t- we went to Best Buy to buy a uh, GPS. Do you have a GPS? I do not. You, you need. I got I a have hand. a husband instead. <laughs> well, your husband isn't always there. <laughs> oh no, but women... he's always a phone call away. He is, but you know what? Why? I know. I have, been doing this, I have been doing this forever. GPS, and I don't know where I'm going. I call. I call. You know, I call somebody, and it drives them crazy. I drive them nuts. I need a GPS. GPS, Garmin GPS. They need to pay me for this, folks. But it's a, it's the simplest one. Very small. It's so easy to use. You can put it in your pocketbook. That's why I got it. I'm going to put it in my pocketbook, take it with me. I mean, I'm going to Washington in a couple of days. I was there a couple of weeks ago. The cab driver was driving me around in circles. I was so frustrated. All I needed to do, if I had this GPS little Garmin thing, I could use it, and that's the, and you just punch in the address, and that's it. All right, I wrote it down. Garmin G G A R M E M E N or A N. I I think it's G A A. It's I don't know if it's E N or I N, but if you Google GPS. it, you'll be able to. Yeah, I'm gonna go get it. Yeah, they had refrigerators at Best Buy that have televisions in them. I've heard of those. It doesn't <laughs> do anything for me, but it is amazing. Why? Well, I mean, my refrigerator is in a position in the kitchen that I couldn't see the TV. Me but too. You, yeah. Me too. And that also, Lauren, the refrigerator, besides having a television in it in the in the set was also there was a uh, a thing that tells you the weather like the <laughs> and you can put music in all you need is a refrigerator very cool does it cook dinner and breakfast for you too no that's what I uh, know I need a little somebody to come in that's and do what that I need. that's absolutely what I need I want someone also I've decided I'd like someone to have my desk already like with a cup of tea and my water and my vitamins all out in the morning when I first get in that so would be how, nice. That would be great. So then how do you get them to just disappear after that? Though? That would That's, be nice, too. Yeah, because you, you want it all set up and ready, but then you want to be able to kind of be by yourself and you don't want to have to sit there. And your house is like mine, very contemporary. There aren't places to go or spaces to go, like in big old houses where, you, you know, somebody yeah, not, can, yeah, not many, many rooms. And, yeah, it's true. And they're open and, yeah. So, all right, well, we get... What's the quote? Didn't oh, we so here's the quote. I yeah. and I don't put them up, but I have a wonderful quote library that I keep um, in my in my on my computer. And this one I have filed under perspective, and it just arrived this morning. So here's the quote: Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Love it. That's that good. Yeah, yeah. Who said it? Do you know? Does it matter? And Kathleen Casey, but I don't know who that is. Kathleen Casey. Okay. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. I'm trying to think of an example. Could I think of something that would, you know, where... Well, I can give you an example. Okay. There's so many out there. Everything is. um, But think of anything that's painful. So, um, Childbirth. Childbirth. (laughs) So it's painful, but do you suffer through it? Like, do you talk about it for the next 10 years of how terrible it was? No. So, so I, put, I, put a, I put a positive spit on it, actually. Too. So do I. Yeah. I think it's one of the most hysterical things that happened to me so far. Yeah. You know, funny in that way. Um, so pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Another one, um, I'm making this up. I'm not making it up, but I don't want to tell the real names. So the pers- this person um, closed her business. I heard the story yesterday, great story. Closed her business down and started the next business right away, and it ended up being the best business ever but at the time she decided she wasn't going to suffer for the fact that she closed her door she was going to close the doors get you know pick up her pick 
picked her pieces up and move on. Yeah. And if she had suffered over it, I think she never would have started the next successful business. Oh, I think there are two kinds of people, and I fall into her category. You know, this is over, it's done, and and but there, and I'm going to go on to next, and it's going to be positive, whether it's a business or whatever it is, or you or you didn't get your promotion, or you lost your job, all those things. And but then there are the people who who really need to listen to this quote because Lauren, they don't. They just they would rather suffer for another year or two. Exactly. You know, bemoan the fact that the business didn't work out, blame other people for the fact that the business didn't work out, blame your parents because they didn't set you up emotionally to be able to run the business. You can go on and on. How many people do you know who do that? So, I mean, I <laughs> I think you really do have a choice. You do have I choices. Do, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you and I fall into the first category. Yeah, I think. Well, I do think that we all can fall into the category, but I think that people think suffering is um, something that is part of pain. Maybe they feel guilty if they. Here's another kind of spin on this whole topic. What about you know something bad happens to you? You kind of feel like you do have to suffer a little bit, or because if you don't, that you feel guilty because there should be some suffering involved. Let's say. Well, I guarantee our second guest will have a lot to say about that. That's true. Maybe even our first guest, actually. That's she true. may too. That she, is yeah, true. she's talking about women-owned businesses, entrepreneurs. Anyway, we have we have only about thirty seconds left, so why don't we uh, take a short break? And I know my guest is waiting for us. You're listening to Lauren Deller with Catherine Zox, and it's Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle-class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors, how about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug-dependent, prescription drug-dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning, and thank you for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox with my co-host, Lauren Beller, and you're listening to Voice America Women's Network. And as promised, in this half hour is Kara Sturdivant-Ruda. She's author of Real You Incorporated, Eight Essentials for Women Entrepreneurs. She's a nationally recognized branding professional. She's had more than 20 years of experience in marketing, brand building, and entrepreneurship. She is also a newspaper columnist, a fiction writer, and a frequent speaker on the topics of marketing and the power of women in business. And also, and I'm always amazed by this, she lives with her husband and four children. She also has four children and does all of this in Columbus, Ohio. And you can go to her website, realyouincorporated.com. Um, it's a fact. Every 60 seconds, a woman starts a business. And while women represent a dominant force in the ever-growing business economy, the stigma of needing to fit into the corporate, and we put it in quotes, boys club is still pervasive. Well, Kara, is in her book and on the show this morning, reveals the secret to building a successful brand and thus a successful business. And that's doing exactly the opposite. It's being you, the real you. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Kara. Thank you, and thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, this is like a big issue with women. I mean, I mean, obviously, you've hit on something. Um, being ourselves, being the real you. I mean, it, to me, it seems sometimes it's almost an impossible task. Whether you're an entrepreneur in the corporate world, fitting into that boys' club, acting like a man, all that that comes up again and again, and it doesn't work for us, right? I mean, that's what that's the premise of the book. Right. I mean, it, it drains your passion. It really does because when you're not being true to yourself, uh, you you feel it and your heart feels it. So it's really about all of us realizing there's never been a better time than now to be a woman in business. And it's, it's true whether you work for somebody else or whether you are an entrepreneur starting your own business. It's a great time to just say, hey, I've got to look at my own personal brand and make sure where I'm working fits with that and that it's a good fit for me. And if it's not, then it's time to look for something else. So then we maybe it's not, it doesn't fit, it's not working. We start looking for something else. Then how do, I mean, and you do this in the book, you take us step by step. How do we do it? How do we find the real you? I mean, what is the process of actually doing that? Yeah, and I did make it a step-by-step process because I feel like, and I know I'm very visual and kind of, I'm not a good person about being linear. So when I was writing the book, they kind of forced me to be linear, which was great because I I applied all the things that I've learned and and kind of came up with an eight-step process. And it's how I've gone about branding companies, but it's also how I've gone about trying to redefine and create my personal brand. So the first three steps are all about finding it within and really defining you as a person and then your passions and then your personal brand. And then the second section of the book is your competitive advantage. How do you use your personal brand to create a unique and true competitive advantage in the world? And that's kind of the process we go through. And I think that's, well, going, starting to the first part of the process, like finding out what's your brand, what's your passion is. I mean, that can be easy for some women, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, for others, it can be a very difficult process, even to the point, don't you think, they sometimes even need to go to counseling or therapy to find out, you know, they've been sort of buried under this, not, sometimes with their partners or their husbands or their boss. They, their they boss, really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of shoulds out there, you know, that, that women are kind of under from either their childhood or, or whatever they've 
they've been through and it's more turning it into a could I can do this this is the real me and I try to make some stories in there of other successful women entrepreneurs to, to inspire women while they're reading and really encouraging them as you read to take a step back and think because we're also all so busy trying to just juggle all the things we're juggling I know I can speak to that as well that just allowing yourself that time to step back and think is so important. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think having those examples in the book makes it real. I mean, because it's sort of like it's mentoring. We need somebody to look up to it. And there aren't as many role models, maybe, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, for women as there are for men. Like oh, very, absolutely. you know, successful women either in business or head of companies, really the CEO of major companies. So it's very important for us to take a look at some of those. Give us an example in one of the books. Uh, first of all, you also, it's not just, Exam, good examples, but you also point out some of the the, the, the not so good examples, the things that we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> right, right. I think, um, well, and I, I mean, the main theme of the book is tell your story. And if you are a woman entrepreneur and you're listening right now, telling your story and inspiring people to your point about being a mentor is so important. So I asked these women, and there are 24 different stories in there, if they'd be willing to share their stories. And, and everybody, without a doubt, said absolutely. So that was really exciting. Um, let's see. There, there are great stories in there. One of my favorite ones is a new mom, uh, Meredith. She's in the book. She was uh, decided to stay home, quit her job, and uh, stay home with her child. And she was trying to um, find some kind of uh, attractive burp cloth, you know, when the little guy spits up. So anyway, she's like, well, I don't like what's out here. So she ends up starting a whole business around burp cloths. <laughs> And they end up in the Academy Award bags. I mean, that's kind of so, you know, necessity being the mother of invention. She's a great story of kind of that entrepreneurial spirit and the can-do attitude and just going for something and, and believing in her passions and knowing that she can she can make it come true. Through that process, she ended up selling her company and decided that she liked the best part of what she did as an entrepreneur is she found her next passion, which was in marketing. So now that's what her company is now. So she's a great example of, of I guess, two different iterations of finding her passion. Burp class? Is that what you just said? Burp class. <laughs> you know those things that you put on your shoulder when a baby's burping? Lots. Burp class. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So they ended up in the Academy Awards bags for, like, all the star moms and stuff. Yeah. That is a very clever idea. And Isn't I'm, that great? Yeah, and okay. I would bet that if she's, you know, suggested to somebody, I'm going to do a burp cloth. Yeah. <laughs> that, people, that she's not going to have a lot of support, honey. This is what I'm, I do business, and I'm going to invest uh, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you exactly. really got to. <laughs> you got to believe in what you're doing you and, and do. go for it. Right. You need a good ego for that one. Um, I know. Yeah, and she must have been a good marketer to be able to get, you know, to, well. Get all she, the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. to get all the way there. Okay, so what about a. An example that, uh, you know, like that we maybe shouldn't be following, shouldn't be doing, you know, because negative role models are also uh, very compelling, at least for me, what I know that I shouldn't be doing. Right. I, I, ha- I have in the book something called the snark chart, and snarks are the opposite of real. So what we want to make sure that we're not doing at all times is undermining other women in the workforce. And we, you know, as we know as women, we can be each other's best friends individually and then uh, worst enemies in groups. So we, that's kind of the key point to the book as well, is if we could just stick together and celebrate each other's achievements, that could really change things for everyone. But 
so for an example... Are we more guilty, though, Kara, of doing that than men? I mean, do we... But, under a snark sort of like snarky, you do things behind a woman's back, smile, and then you like, you know, say something nasty about her to the boss. That's what you're talking about? Yeah, sort of, yeah. I mean, there's different gradients of snarks, but definitely that would be one of the levels of it. Uh-huh. But are we more guilty of it, do you think, than men? I, you know, it's weird because I think because the corporate culture has been defined by men over the time, I mean, that's kind of, so the rules were defined by men. So I think to get around it, to get up, to keep moving up, women have had to become, in some cases, more sneaky or more snarky, if that makes sense, because they were fitting into a culture that wasn't created by them. So I think that made us more divisive against each other than we would have been naturally. All right, so the environment that we were forced to be in in that all-boys club kind of got us into that mode of behaving like a snarky, people kind of person, but it's not really inherent in our gender. No, I don't think so at all. No, we don't need to. Yeah, no, no. But it, I think the environment brings it out in you. And if you just, you just have to realize that you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that snark. And you also, when you're, especially if you're an entrepreneur starting a company, you want to create from the get-go a snark-free environment because culture vultures, that's the bit, one of the biggest passion zappers you can have around you are people that aren't supporting you 100%. And sometimes you're not aware of it. I think that's a really important point, Kara, because yep. it, sometimes it takes a while to realize who's not supporting you because at first, you know, you may have people in your work environment, uh, you know, starting a business that you think are supporting you, and then all of a sudden you realize, hey, they're not. They're bringing me down. They're enervating me. It's not working. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's just because we don't have that, well, we have a few minutes left, but let's talk about the different kinds of snarks, those people, because <laughs> you list, I mean, they're, very, they're not, just, not just a snark, there are several different kinds of snarks that are going to be negative, right, for your right. being successful in your business, yeah. Well, like, I, what I was thinking about was how do you kind of characterize snarks and how do you make them on a scale from snarkiest to least snarky? So when when I was thinking about it, like just during my encounters with snarks over the years, and on my website actually I'm, I have a snark scale that people can upload their um, examples of snarks and kind of rate them. But to me, like the most moderate or, or easiest to spot snarks are the bubble bursting snarks, and these are the people like you have a great day, you made a great sale, or everything's going right, and he or she will walk in and say. But did you really wear that? You know, or something just kind of, you know, like minor snarky, but it's kind of a bubble popping moment, you know. And then all the way to the sexist snarks or an ego snark who I have at the highest end of my snark scale. But an ego snark is somebody that it's all about them. So even if it's your company, and, and it takes a while to spot these people sometimes too, but if, if it's all about them and not about the team, that's really bad for your culture. And these folks take credit for everybody else's work. And if you're the boss, you might not see them. Everybody below that person will see it. <laughs> so you really need to pay attention to them. And then we all know what sexist snarks do. They hold you back because you're a woman and uh, you just have to – and then they, they'll treat you different in encounters. I, I had an employee who was, who was doing that, and I didn't even realize he was a sexist snark until – we had kind of a tense encounter, and then like, wow, <laughs> yeah. not and good. it all blew up. But it can yeah. be very, it can be very obvious, as you're saying, Kara, or it can be insidious. So you really do have to watch out for these people. You do. Uh, yeah, if it's obvious, it's obvious. But if it's not, I think if you you have to have your snark list on your desk all the time. I do. 
I know, and I have, like, I just had another snark encounter. I, I think it was a snark by proxy because it was somebody's assistant who snarked me. I'm like, wow, that's a whole new one. I didn't even know about that one. Anyway. But you know what's so great about your book is, and there are more snarks, too, and you have to buy the book if you want to find out what they are. Well, actually, you could go online to your website at realyouincorporated.com, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just, because we have about a minute left, so I want to make sure listeners know they can purchase the book online, bookstores everywhere, Real You Incorporated, 8 Essentials for Women Entrepreneurs. Great book, very practical. I always like practical books, you know, like the 8 Essentials, you've got the snarks listed out. I mean, it's all written. <laughs> if you can't follow the directions, you have a real problem, you shouldn't be in business. Anyway, thanks Great. so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Great to have you. Kara Sturdivant Ruda, and she is author of Real You Incorporated. Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller. We are going to take a short break this morning, but we will be back on Voice America Women's Network. radio that informs entertains and enlightens you voice america women's radio network jacklelane.com presents jack lane live on the voice america health and wellness radio network each week jack is joined by elaine lane and his nephew bodybuilder kinesiologist and personal trainer chris lane to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks that's three times the diet and fitness know-how three times the entertainment tune in every monday morning at 9 a.m pacific to jack lane live on the voice america health and wellness radio network have issues parenting addictions disorders anxiety stress how do we expand on what's working and improve what's not let quantum leaps with beth wilson bring you a high energy approach to personal growth and creative life change listen every thursday at 4 p.m eastern time 1 p.m pacific time on voice america women's channel let beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need quantum leaps with beth wilson thursdays at 4 p.m Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show, and thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox with my co-host, Lauren Beller. 
And you're listening to Voice America Women's Network. I am your social worker with a microphone, and joining us this morning is Dan Davison. Dan describes himself as half the man he used to be, and we're talking literally, yet he's accomplished more since he nearly froze to death and subsequently lost his hands and feet. And he's done more than most able-bodied people ever will. He's going to, I mean, he's achieved well, first of all, since his accident, Dan founded a hugely popular nonprofit handicapped sailing program, launched a successful national career as an inspirational speaker, and we're going to hear him speak. He has also skydived, played musical instruments, rode horseback, succeeded in a number of sailing tournaments, and tried out for the Paralympic sailing team. And I don't have time to list all his accomplishments. Since his accidents, he's also been featured on CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, and has co-authored a book with Dr. Wayne Dwyer, Living in Abundance. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I have to. Say, you are an amazing guy. I mean, everybody's sitting here thinking, "Oh my God." I mean, all the things you've accomplished, obviously, most people just with their hands and their legs and all their faculties could not do. So, I mean, you are this, like, amazing person. But, Dan, tell us what happened, the accident. I mean, this is a drug-related accident that that occurred, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, In February of 1995, I was 28 years old at the time and was stoned out of my mind on cocaine. Middle of February in a suburb of Chicago, I am screwing around on a pond like making angels, slipping, sliding. I slip, I smack my head, I knock myself unconscious, and I was exposed for 13 and a half hours at 40 below wind chill. I crawled on my hands and knees to be found at one point, literally giving up, making the sign of the cross and laying down to die. But fortunately, I was able to fight my way off the ice. Uh, A maintenance man from a nearby motel found me. When they first found me, my core temperature was 80 degrees. My eyes were frozen. I was blind, ears frozen, fingers and thumbs totally black, huge patches of frostbite on my knees, and my toes looked like dried up raisins. The end result of that is my vision came back, my ears came back, but I lost every finger and thumb off both hands, my right foot, my left leg below the knee, and I almost lost my full left leg because the frostbite on the knee was so extensive. I had five reconstructive surgeries, and I'll tell you, I'm very grateful that I've got my left knee. That's a, uh, yeah. So now you have, what, steel hooks for hands and these graphite stilts for legs? That's correct. Right. Now, anybody having gone through that, I would imagine, and I, would just be devastated, obviously, uh, but you weren't. I mean, what, I, it's amazing to me how you find that. So tell us what happened after that. I mean, you find yourself, you know, you had been this healthy young man, but you had also been doing drugs. So, Well, let me just say that um, I've been like this now for 13 years, and to live in this condition is nothing like the first 28 years of my life. I come from absolute insanity, and I mean, no, really, um, my earliest memory of childhood is my father scalding my brother with boiling hot water because he didn't come directly home from school. So uh, believe me, this, is, this has been a blessing for me, but um, to, to pinpoint your question, what's really happened since then, is as I was there in the hospital watching them hack off my limbs, I really realized, and I knew, that I was there because of my own choices and that I didn't have to live the life that I did for the first 28 years. And I could live another 50 years 
and how was I going to live? And I just decided that I was cashing in that 10-cent life for another one. I was going to take whatever I was left with and run with it. So, Dan, how did you do it, though? I mean, okay, you came, it's like an epiphany. You're lying there, obviously, and, and you're going through this process. I don't have to go back to the kind of life I led before. But And this is the epiphany, but take us step by step. I mean, did you have someone who helped you, a mentor? It sounds like your family oh. was the opposite of not helping. It was like an abusive family, physically, emotionally, and in every way. Am I right? That That's correct. Every form of abuse you can imagine. And, yes, the the fact is this. I got psychiatric help, <laughs> okay? Um, while I'm there in the hospital, of course, they send in, uh, you know, shrinks to help me deal with my loss of limbs. And I explained to them, listen, this is nothing compared to my life. And when they started hearing about my life, they were like, forget about the loss of limbs. We got to go back to when you were four and start working on you from there. So between psychiatric help and the fact that I, there was no clinical reason why I was alive. Now, I am a spiritual person. I was born and raised Catholic. I'm not going to try and shove my religious beliefs or any of that down anybody's throat. But I felt that I was left here for a purpose. And it was a matter of finding that purpose and going after it. Which is exactly what you've done, I mean, in this incredible way. I mean, one of the things uh, that you had sent me, you know, we have conventional attitudes, good or bad events create our successes or failures, and you, say, and you say success or failure has very little to do with actual events and much more to do with how we act or react to them. I mean, you're a perfect example of that, um, doing just the opposite of what most people would do. I mean, you go, go I mean, I... You know, you think about it, going into a depression or feeling sorry for yourself or just not doing anything. And you did exactly the opposite because you felt, as you say, you had a choice. It was your choice. That, that's absolutely correct. And, and don't get me wrong, there's definitely times in my life when I renew my citizenship to Pity City Population 1. But, <laughs> yeah, but I don't stay there very long. And I allow myself a little time to wallow in my self-pity, maybe I'll give myself a day to moan and lick my wounds. But then I say, you know, I've got to get out of this why me, and I've got to get back to the try me. And that's really what it boils down to is, you know, today we are surrounded by a lot of control freaks. But what they don't realize is really in life, as you said, the only thing in life that you control is the way you act or react to any given situation that you're confronted with at that moment in time, and then it's gone. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah but let me ask you this. Like from just, okay, when you're, you're walking around, you're going about your business, doing what you do, how do people react to you? Because, I mean, here they see a man, you know, obviously uh, you're talking about with uh, – uh, you know, hooks for arms and graphite, you know, stilts for legs, and they look at you in a funny way, or do they treat you differently, or do you always have to overcome, you know, that, like, getting over people feeling sorry for you? I mean, there must be all different, many different kinds of reactions that, that you get from people. You got it, and it really has to do with what's going on inside their head. Now, there are some people that will see me, and, and I walk around a lot in shorts, for that shock value, really so I can attract young people, so I can tell them a little bit about who I am and what I do. Now, some people actually freak out, 
and I'm not kidding you. I mean, I've been in, in department stores and had people literally look, look at me, scream and throw their hands in the air and say, oh, my God. And then I've had people that come up to me and say, you know, you make life worth living. When I see a guy like you and the way you carry yourself, I tell you, I, I stand a little taller. I feel so much more grateful for what I have in life. So it's really a mixed reaction. And I'll tell you, just even yesterday, I was walking into a department store, and a little kid about four years old was walking out with what appeared to be her grandmother, and she pointed up at me and she said, Look, a robot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding you. And I'll tell you, I, I have all... You see, kids uh, tell the truth. It's just out of the mouth of babes, right? I right, mean, it, yeah. exactly. And I take no offense to this, and I use this as uh, an opportunity to talk to that young person. Now, my trademark is You Are Your Choices. And I have a whole line of You Are Your Choices products for kids, Frisbees and pens that light up and stuff like this. And I brought that young girl to my trunk of my car where I have some, and I gave her a You Are Your Choices Frisbee, and I talked to her for about three minutes and told her that I did this to me, and I did this as a result of my own choices, and one of those choices was, first of all, not to tell anybody about what was going on in my household, but also then to try and blot out all of my feelings with drugs. Well, she's never going to forget you. I mean, you are care, and, and it's a wonderful message. I mean, that you're able to give to these kids. And I just have to, you know, we don't have too much time left. And I know everybody's thinking. Let's face it, you're a young man, bright man. Uh, you know, uh, what about a social life? I mean, how does that impact on you? That has to be part of some of the struggles that you're dealing with. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it. And I'll tell you, there's some people that are uncomfortable around me because of. The way I look and what I really think is that's something within their own mind. I've uh, even had an MD one time that I could just tell he was totally uncomfortable around me. But I socialize a lot with people from the medical world. I mean, nurses, physical therapists, and other disabled people, they, they're totally comfortable with me. So I, I do have a fine social life, and believe it or not, I actually, you know, I'm dating and whatnot. Um, but it's just a matter of finding the people that are comfortable with me. And yeah, which I think is true. If we want, I, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to obviously diminish the, the, you know, some of the difficulties you have, but it's true of all of us. I mean, I'm a 60-year-old woman. There are a lot of men who don't want to be with me, let me tell you. So you pick and choose. Right, that, and that's exactly it. And it's just finding the people who accept you for who you are. That's, all right, now tell us a little bit about the business because I want to make sure you, uh, uh, your website is danieldavison.com. So. Well, Dan- Daniel R. Davison. Oh, and, and, you're right. And, I didn't see the R. Right, okay. and let's make it very clear that there's only one D in Davison because everybody thinks it's David's son. But no, it's Davison, D-A-V-I-S-O-N. So it's danielrdavison.com. And if you do go on the website, there's several different videos, me skydiving, the sailing program, horseback riding, I actually walk three miles every year to raise money for the NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. There's some videos on that also. Another uh, great organization. I've had them on my show, too. And you're a motivational speaker. Anybody, any, are you going to be any place in particular across the country now that we can, you know, if, if listeners, because this is on the net, if anybody wants to go and see you, we've got 30 seconds left. Uh, I am currently uh, I'm going to be in Chicago land throughout the summer. I now live in Florida, but that's where I'm headed. And what I'll say is this. Uh, if you're six years old or if you're 60, I have a message for you. 
and I speak to anybody who is willing to listen, it's a very, very powerful message that makes you be very grateful for where you're at in life, makes you think about the choices that you've made and the choices you're going to make in the future. And really the main theme behind my speech is personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. You are a great guy, and you are an inspiration. Thanks so much for being on the show. It's DanielRDavison.com. That's correct. Yep. And if anybody is interested in the book, uh, it was released on Tuesday, uh, BarnesandNobles.com, or you can contact me through my website and get an autographed copy. Terrific. And the name of the book is Living in Abundance. Thanks so much, Daniel. Have a great day. Uh, we'll talk you to you too. soon again. Thank you. You're listening to Catherine Zox on Voice America Women's Network with Lauren Beller. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Did you smile today? A healthy, attractive smile shows confidence and will give others a great first impression. Tune in to Dr. Chad for Smile Radio. If you have a question that you've always wanted to ask your dentist but were afraid to, Dr. Chad is here to help. Did you know there's a strong connection between oral health and general health and well-being overall? Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Smile Radio with Dr. Chad. Ladies, what are you willing to do to live the life of your dreams? Are you willing to start today? If your answer is yes, even if you are just mildly curious, you've got to tune in to Wise Divas with life coach and host Teresa Proctor each Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Start living your wildest dream today. talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice of America Women's Network. Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller are your co-hosts, and I am your social worker with the microphone. What a guest we had on in this last half hour. If you missed it and uh, you had to step away from your computer, you can, this afternoon, a couple hours from now, you can just download it because Daniel R. Davison is one incredible young, he's still young to me, he's a young man. He said, what, 19, when did he have the accident, Lauren? He said 1992. 
That's what I was trying to figure out. He's been, it's been 13 years since the accident. 13 years and he was 28 years old, so he's just like about your age, actually. 38, 40 years old. You're right. You're yeah. right. I was trying to figure that out myself and I missed that one date. So, um, yeah, good. I missed the fact that he was 28. It was 28 when he had the accident? Yeah, he said 28 years old. He was crazy. He was nuts. He was doing something. Obviously, he should never be. He was stoned on coke. Yeah. Got himself into that kind of situation, which is easy to do when you're stoned mm-hmm. on coke. Uh, and you, you know, and then he gets it, it, it sort of pulls it, I don't even want to say pulls himself together. I mean, he just like uh, totally I don't know how, he, it was like he was motivated to, to come through it, so he had this message for people. Yeah. Message for these kids, boy. I mean, he is certainly, uh, and he does, he goes around the country. I think he's spoken to at least 100,000 different young people, he says, to, you know, um, encourage them to make the right choices, obviously. And he certainly has the experience of making poor choices and making good choices. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things Oof. he said at the end, which really struck me, is, you know, when I asked him the question about, you know, his social life and stuff, and he said, well, a lot of his, his social um uh, stuff that he does socially in his relationships involve a hospital, you know, the people who work in a hospital, caring kinds of people. And it really struck me is that, you know, when you talk about choices, whatever your issues are, because we have, it's so easy to connect with people from different walks of life, with different issues, with different problems, we, you know, either on the Internet or, you know, all of those communication things are available to us that we can pick and choose the people we want to associate with. We're not isolated. We don't have to isolate ourselves. Uh, you know, people who are going to support you. Yeah, and if they're not, why hang around? And you don't have to. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, we were kind of isolated. You had to stay in your neighborhood, your own town, your own, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and you, and even if there were people out there, you didn't know that they were there, like today you do. So whatever your particular need is, there's groups and social groups and individuals who can be there for you, which I think is just I don't know. I think that's an important point to make. I definitely do. Yeah. It's yeah, and I again another. He, I love his motto: um, "You are your choices," because every single choice we make has impact on who we are. So, are we choosing to hang around the people that are not supporting us, or are we going to go out in the world and find a group that is? Yeah, which was actually the theme also of Kara uh, Sturdivant Ruda, who wrote "Real You Incorporated." Because it's the same thing. Even in business, you have your business. You have to surround yourself with people who support you, exactly. not snarks, not people who have a snarky, <laughs> different kinds of snarks, bad things that they do to you. And you have to be very much aware of who's helping and who's not. Right. So I it's, think it's it's, that, it's consistent messages this morning. I yeah, <laughs> coming from very different perspectives, though, right? Absolutely. Well, I yeah. think it's really true, though, that we um, that quote is really it's. Pain is inevitable. We're all going to have pain somehow, whether it's as um, Daniel talked about with pain, you know, with um, physical, or and um, the first guest talked about with you know being a woman in business and what that's like. It's and there's times that it can be painful, even for a man. But the fact that we have we decide to. Well, turn we don't that care pain. about men now. This is a woman's show. We don't have to deal with that. Yeah, that's their problem. They have plenty of shows. I'm kidding. We love you guys. You know, if you have something to say. And you know. Lauren, we had a, you know, if they do have something to say, men or women, we, we are, you know, not gender specific, give us a call. And maybe if you have a story to tell um, that's related to this, because I think this is like a big issue. As you, pain is inevitable. And I think one of the things that we try to do, and, I mean, you have a two-year-old, you, I think you have to be really aware of this, not try to whitewash everything. I always found that when my kids were growing up, you know, you don't want kids to go to the great uncle's funeral. You don't want oh, God, kids I... to, you know, all of the, you know, 
you know, you don't want them to see something on television that's going to make them upset. We don't want to upset them. Well, that's, you know, a kid's need Impossible. To, it's part of life. Yeah, and they it's need to learn to life. be upset in the context of being with their loving mother or father or both or grandparents. And and in those, that's how you learn to adjust. And to, Copio, I have a two-year-old, as you just mentioned. She's two years, two months old. When she was 18 months old, she went to her great-grandmother's funeral. And this morning, her father was in his office, and we were sitting at the dining room table, and we were having this conversation between two rooms. And he said, one of his um, one of his team's um, people, one of the, he is a sales manager, and one of the people in his team's brother died last night. And it was sort of sudden. I didn't know that he was even sick. And Sierra, who's two, said, somebody died? Who died? You oh, know? my. Yeah, she knew exactly what, you know, who died she wanted to know. And she knows that when someone dies, we're sad. And um, she also knows that, you know, we go on. Yeah, and she knows what death is. It's she not, does. Yeah, exactly. And she, well, that's an, yeah, she's two years old. I mean, two, and we can teach them anything. It's what do we want them to know about death or what do we want them to know. Last night in the, I was pushing her in her swing outside. We were swinging, swinging, swinging. The higher the better. She was squealing in laughter. And this car kept coming around our street. And we live on a dead-end street. So finally I stopped the woman and said, you know, what's going on? She said, I lost my dogs. And we knew the woman and not knew her well but knew who, who her dogs were. And Sierra and I were talking about, oh, no, she must feel sad she lost her dogs. And Sierra's all upset, you know, oh, dog's lost, you know. <laughs> Here's another message, though. They always tell you, and you got to tell Sierra this, too, because that's one of the main tricks for people who want to kidnap children. They come by to the children when they're, like, five and six years old, and they're playing in the front yard, and they say, I oh, lost yeah. my dog. Can you help me find my dog? I can't even imagine. Well, no, yeah. this, is a real, I, this is a real situation, but still, you yeah, you're right about that. Dog. You're right <laughs> no. about that. Yeah, have, be, be knowledgeable about who you're speaking to. Yeah, know, the, know the dogs. And you said you knew her, or you, you knew, I knew who the dogs, she was. Yeah. yeah. But there is, unfortunately, there's that side of it, too. There yeah. are. It's true. Yeah. But, yeah, it is true. Because that's one of the classic kinds of ploys to get little children to uh, go away from the playground or leave their front lawn. I mean, now she's a baby. She's with you. But in a few years, when she plays on the lawn by herself, it's true. Uh, this is all new kinds of things that you have to inform your kids about. And right? I just think the more we talk about it, even as adults, the more we talk about it, the better it is. I think if you talk about it, really, I think 90, 95%, whatever it is, if, as say, as a couple, um, if you just talk about things in front of their kids, they absorb it. And it's and instead of, you know, hiding and going into the next room and talking about grown-up things, I mean, obviously there are some things you can't talk about, but most things you can. I think they absorb most things what you they can. can. Yeah. Yeah, we're given, we give them coping mechanisms as young kids so that when they run into it when they're, because they're going to, whether we know it or not, they're going to run into certain things that maybe we don't even know they've run into, you know. So then they have coping mechanisms for things versus, you know, because I think you send them off to school and they run into so many things that you have no idea they're going to run into. My kids always told me that, and I still can't comprehend it. You know, and they still tell me that. There are so many things that you're totally not aware of. I went out for dinner uh, and drinks now. My son is 28 years old, my middle son. So we went out the other night, and we were sort of getting into that. We both had had a drink or two, so we are <laughs> telling each other. Our, it was very cool. It was lots of fun because we start telling each other these secrets that we've had from each other and Funny. I think I shocked him and uh, uh, well I don't think he shocked me but I think that I gave him some information that he was quite surprised about uh, and finally at age 28 I think we could do that <laughs> and we laughed we had a great he was really yeah um, just keep
keep me from saying it on the on the. Oh come on! You need to share it. <laughs> Absolutely not. But these are family secrets, family narratives. Every family has a narrative, and base their every family bases their stories about what happens in a family on the family narrative, which is. So what's the narrative? I'm curious what the narrative, like what's the, I'll give you a family narrative. I mean, family narratives, I'm not going to talk about me, but family (laughs) narratives. Make up one about your best friend. Make up one about your best friend. I am your social worker with a microphone. Go Google family family narratives and that has, you know, if you're doing marriage counseling, if you're doing family therapy. It's like families have their rap. You know, we're a really sports-minded family, and oh, that's the rap. Well, it's it's that a narrative, and I'm, I'm yeah, and you know, we like to ski, and and you know, and my husband is like the best skier, and he won this award, and I, you know, I don't ski as well as he did, but maybe in reality, you ski better than he does because <laughs> he needs to feel like he's the best skier in the family, but that you have to follow the family narrative, but when you it doesn't really work for you because it makes, you know, because you're diminishing your own capabilities. I mean, that's an example. Got it. So that maybe that would be it's some. Like the, it's like the family story. Yeah. It's family. never really spoken, or maybe it is. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a, that family narratives. Look that up. It's, it's very interesting. And all of us have them, all families. Whatever kind of family you are, it doesn't make any difference. You may, you know, you, you have a certain family narrative that's that you – live by or that did you bounce things off anyway 30 seconds to go we have to say goodbye goodbye lauren great to speak to you this morning Catherine. nice guest wonderful inspiring guest today yeah they were fantastic and we have more next week so have a great day voice america women's network with Catherine zox and lauren beller i'm your social worker with them and i microphone uh we'll see you next week 